Hello, my beautiful woman and listeners. I'm so excited to be back with you. It has been a minute and took a little break. Lots of life changes, exciting, crazy, all of the above, and just needed a moment. So I am incredibly excited to be back with you guys. I missed you. I missed recording. And here we are. Today's guest is probably one of my favorite interviews I ever did. I am so impressed with this incredible woman. Her name is Lisa Green. She was the Senior Vice President of Brand Partnerships and Operations at the Yes. And since then, helping the brand become acquired by Pinterest, the visual inspiration app we all know and love in June of 2022. Lisa is currently the head of brand partnership shopping at Pinterest. She has spent her career at the intersection of fashion and technology, serving as Google's head of fashion and luxury for over six years and overseeing the fashion category at Condé Nast. Prior to her role leading fashion and luxury at Google, Lisa held several senior executive roles in sales at Google. Lisa also sits on the board of the Five Under 40 Foundation. Lisa received her BA from Middlebury College and resides in New York. I was so honored to have Lisa on the podcast. As you can see from her background, I mean, she's just like this complete powerhouse. And I was taking so many notes after the interview. I'm like, I have to remember this. She is such a wealth of knowledge and just has held such a power position in so many incredible companies. And I love to learn from people like this. So I hope you absolutely love this interview. As always, subscribe, do all the things, come say hi, come to Instagram. I don't even know where to find me anymore, but find us, say hi and give us feedback. Okay, now let's get over to my conversation with Lisa. Welcome to the Woman Inc. podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I am a city girl, sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up when you forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Hello, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm like truly so excited for this interview. Thanks, Jenna. So am I. I'm really happy to be here. So we have a lot to break down. I I was sitting actually with our head of partnerships at the company I'm the president of. And she was like, I've never heard of anyone lasting 12 years at Google. Like that's a very (laughs) long time to work at Google. Um, She's like, she's tough. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, she should meet some of my friends. I've got I got some people who have me beat. So <laughs> really, okay. So t- mm-hmm. let's start there. I feel like we have so much to talk about, but I just want to start. When did you first get the Google first job uh, call? I guess or like when did that first come? And what were you doing there? Yeah. 
That's a long time ago. But yes, I, you know, I, Google was, it was not my first job out of college, but it was, it was early on in my career. And, um, it was right when Google had sort of like hit its growth. And so, um, it was just a huge opportunity. I kind of had no idea what the job was. I actually, I had over 20 interviews to get the job and I ended up like on the 19th interview, they were like, wait, we think you're better for this other team. And then ended up flying me to New York and I interviewed in New York instead and got the job there. But, you know, I feel like the, the, like the sort of like secret sauce of my time at Google was that I was there at a time of hyper growth. And when the company was big enough and established enough that it was able to take risks and I was able to sort of like be a risk taker and actually be something or someone that they took risks on as well. And so I started out with just like a regular old inside sales job. Like I said, I didn't even really know what it was when I took the job where my job was essentially to call a bunch of ad agencies and I would be like transferred to the guy with the computer. It was basically <laughs> like that. It was like, oh, and you know, it even started with like Google has advertising. Like who knew? You know, I'm like, yeah. Navigate to your computer and you'll see the blue links on the top and the right hand side of the screen. Um, but it didn't end there, obviously. And, um, I was able to just like, you know, identify opportunities and go for it. And so it started, you know, sort of when I moved to Google, I had actually come from DC where I was working in a magazine down in DC. And so it was 2005. The congressional elections were coming up in 2006. I noticed that there was nobody doing that. Like there were, I, I know this like sounds really hard to remember, but political candidates didn't use the internet at the time to advertise. They maybe, maybe used it for a Google search, but like that was it. And so my boss was like, well, if you think you can sell it, like do it. <laughs> and so I just started calling people and sold, you know, like the first ever congressional candidate political ads on Google. And then Insane. from there, we were able to, yeah, it was awesome. And then we like developed a team around that. And then that was good. And I, um, in college, I had been a part of my major was in Spanish. And so I wanted to set up a whole um, team that focused on US Hispanic advertisers and actually used like more Spanglish in their ad words, like keywords and stuff. And so my boss was like, cool, do that. And so I got to go do that. And then that actually parlayed into... I ended up doing a rotation down in our Argentina office and helped them set up some teams there. And then acknowledged that we actually were missing this like sort of, there was like this massive gap in the Latin America strategy, which was that we'd had no sort of like pan-regional presence. And so many companies were centering their pan-regional presence out of Miami. So I knew boss at this point, but I was like, hey, like, what about this? He was like, cool, why don't you go open a Miami office? So I spent a year kind of traveling to and from New York, going to Miami, opening up this office. Happened to be the worst possible year to do that. Actually, I used to say it was the worst possible year. The worst possible year probably would have ended up being 2020. But (laughs) it was the worst possible year personally because I was pregnant with my first child. So like, I started out this year being like, I'm going to go and stay in South Beach and this is going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden, like, I was pregnant sitting at like the bar at the W South Beach, like with the music pumping. I'm like, I got to change this gig. And I ended up, (laughs) I I rounded out that assignment with staying at the Biltmore and Coral Gables, like just retiring there. (laughs) Yes. As you can see, I'm in Miami. So I'm laughing because I'm very familiar with this scene and I can't imagine pregnant. Yes. I was like, what am I doing? So 
fast forward to, I had, I opened up the office. It was actually so awesome to do. Had my daughter, went on maternity leave or went, yeah, had my daughter, went on maternity leave. And when I came back, I sort of like very fortunately was given the opportunity to start this new fashion vertical. So Google had sort of always um, been set up on verticals, but at the time there were 12 and we went from 12 verticals to 36. And um, it was just, you know, I was fortuitously given fashion, something I've always cared about, but I hadn't really worked in. And I realized after a few years that I had like really found my passion, which was this connection between tech and fashion, which were two industries that could not be more different, but actually need each other so much. And there was like so much growth opportunity. And I really just like dug in deep there. But I would say like through all those opportunities and all the different things that I did, it was always the people. Like the people there were, it was, you know, the bosses who gave me the opportunities. It was the peers who supported me. It was the people who worked for me that were just awesome and cool and had, you know, were so good at helping accomplish what it was that we were set out to do. And it was just like, you know, partner teams that you could always depend on. And so, you know, I, when I left, I left with heavy heart. Like I was, it was time to go. I had grown up at Google. I had both of my babies at Google. You know, I did all sorts of different things while I was there. And so I was, I was certainly sad to leave. It was time. And I did sort of sob when I handed in my Google badge. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a moment. It was a low moment. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> it was the right thing to do. But I like, I tell you this because I left with like, I, I, I was still, I was so proud of everything that I did there. And, um, but I was, and I was sad to leave the people, but I was ready to go. And Google had sort of like, you know, it was like a cocoon and I was ready. I was finally ready to get out of it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 12 years. And at that point you were head of fashion. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is a big job. That's, that's, you moved up fast. And in the, just quickly, 20 interview rounds, is was there a question that's like the famous Google interview question that you remember? Like a brain teaser? I mean, yeah, there were... So when you have like 20 interviews, it clearly means a company hasn't quite figured out how to structure their hiring <laughs> process <Right>. yet. <laughs> and remember, again, this was 2005. I think they've come a long way since then. And so... Yeah, I got I got like a hundred crazy brain teaser questions, um, but one of them was it was I was interviewing in July and it was when Wimbledon was going on, and I believe it, I can't remember which tennis player it was that was like all the rage then. I think it was pre Roger Federer, so like whoever it was, and yeah. it was like you know Wimbledon has started, so if call it Yvonne Lendl like makes it to the finals, how many times how many times will he serve throughout the whole tournament? And the idea is like, you got to just think and you got to break it down. You're never going to get the right answer, but they, you know, yeah. they just want to know how they think. But I liked that one because it was like topical and kind of trying to be fun and cute, but it was like, seriously, how, how do you think? Oh God, I would be so bad at those. I would be like, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I would even think through those. I'm actually really bad at brain teasers. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That was just a random question that I always think about. So you go from Google and where do you go next after Google? So um, I like to say I had a um, rebound relationship at Condé Nast. Um, So when I was leaving Google, I probably left two years after I was ready. Um, It was sort of like I came to this realization that while I loved what I was doing, I was really ready for another challenge. And I didn't, I wasn't sure that it was at Google. And so 
I, what I didn't want to do was just go to Facebook, which was really where everybody was going at that time when they were leaving Google. And I wanted to do something different. And I also felt really strongly that it wasn't that I loved working in tech. It was that I really liked working at Google. So it wasn't like that I should just go jump to another tech company and try to do the same thing. And so I looked at all sorts of different positions. And actually, like for a while, I was having like pretty awesome interviews. I had this one interview with Christopher Bailey, who was at the time the CEO of Burberry. And he was, you know, he was both CEO and creative director. And it was a few hours before the Met Ball. So he was in town. I know he was in town at, I think it was the Carlisle Hotel. It was either, the, or maybe it was the Mark. It was one of the two. And I was told that I was going to go meet Christopher there. And I like honestly having no concept of what I was what I was walking into. I literally thought it was going to be you know thirty people in this hotel suite, and Christopher was going to have like a pin cushion on his arm while he was like yeah. fixing somebody's gown, and was going to give me like fifteen minutes. And instead, actually, it was just him, and he was the loveliest person, like so gracious. It was I'm not kidding. It was hours before the Met Ball, which is a huge moment for these guys, right? Yeah, but he. Yes. Never look, he didn't look at his phone the entire time. I was with him for an hour and a half. He gave me all of the attention, asked really thoughtful questions, had delivered all these great insights, was really, really thoughtful. Just even as like we were exploring what the job could be, you know, what I could do there. And he was even thoughtful about like, about my family and how, what, you know, what they would need to do to adjust to moving to London and, you know, all of these different pieces. So I had this like moment where I was like, do I actually take a new job? Or do I just keep doing interviews and decide that this is like, this is my next job is the book I'm going to write about all these amazing yes. interviews I have. <laughs> so I had a thought that that was a thought. That also, actually would be an amazing book. You should actually write that book. Right? Yes. Well, I didn't, I feel like I have more to do. I'm, I'm going to need yes. to interview more. But the <laughs> other the other sort of like marquee interview I had during that time was with Anna Wintour. So you know, what happened was a former colleague of mine from Google had been hired as the chief revenue officer at Condé. And he sort of got there and was like, oh boy, like I know tech, but I don't know fashion. And there's not anybody here who can help me bridge this gap. And so he and I just started talking and, and really I was talking to be a helpful advisor. I really didn't think my next job was at Condé. And he just tried to convince me. And so he kind of pulled out all the stops, one of them being 30 minutes with Anna which required me to take my entire closet and dump it out onto my bed to decide what I was going to wear. Um, (laughs) And then burn everything and start again. Yeah, literally whole closet was on the bed. And in retrospect, like I still can't figure out why I didn't just go to Barney's and find something new. Like, why did I think I had it in my closet? (laughs) But I, I did. I pulled something together from my closet. With the help of actually one of my wonderful Google friends who had helped me do that. Um, So good. Yeah. So then I met with Anna, who also I had just a a really incredible 30 minutes with. And, uh, you know, and I really, I sort of was taking advantage of that too, thinking like, how often do you get to be in a room with somebody who's like seen so much and done so much and is there to like ask me questions and answer questions that I have, right? Because the you know the subsequent year i had plenty of time with anna but it was never about that right like it was never about like what's your view on the future of the department store like that's not the kind of stuff i got to do once i was working there but it was an incredible 30 minutes and i also learned following that 30 minutes that 
usually you never get a full 30 minutes. So I got, I have, that was a real, it was a real win that I like, that I, you know, I stayed the full 30 minutes there. Yeah. That um, might need to be the book title. 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, this is amazing. That, so yeah, so I went to do what's nice to you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sure. But For I went a little to bit. Conde, I, I have to say, I didn't go to Conde because of Anna. And I didn't go because of Jim, who was the former colleague. I went because the ultimate clincher in the deal was Jim introduced me to Chris Mitchell, who was the person I was going to work for. And the minute I met Chris, and we both actually were meeting each other with a reverse bias. Like neither one of us thought we were going to really, that we really wanted to meet each other. We were both sort of, I was like, I really don't know if I want to work there. And he was like, who's this woman from Google that I got to go meet? (laughs) And then the minute we met, it was like, oh my God, we could do this. Like, let's do this together. And we really, and I was not wrong. And I I really still stand by the decision to go to Condé for the 11-ish months that I got to work with Chris. Like it was really just... We were a power duo and we had so much fun doing it. Um, it was just the wrong place for me. Like it was just not a place where the we were strategically aligned, but yet I it was actually it was incredibly validating. I learned a ton. I actually developed great relationships beyond just not just Chris, but you know, Chris sort of being paramount to that. And then I fortuitously met Julie. And so like all of that was worth the rebound. You know, that's what a rebound is for. It's supposed to set you out into the world and like really get you ready for your next relationship. Completely. Okay. Give us the moment, the meet okay. Julie, the start of the yes. So I met Julie actually through Forerunner Ventures. So Forerunner yes, was... Um, obsessed. Such yeah, a fan which girl. Me, I, Green. me too. She can do Kirsten no wrong. Green I've never is, met her, but... <laughs> One hundred percent. You oh, you need to meet her. She's I'm she honestly is incredible. Yes, she's really great. But that's actually not how I met Julie. I met her okay. through one of her associates. So as I like, you know, as I was busy having fun at Condé and realizing it wasn't where I should really be working, um, I was introduced to a woman who worked at Condé. I mean, at Forerunner because I was sort of interested in the VC world and wasn't sure how to get get there. And and she and I met. And she said to me, you know, I I do these meetings all the time and it never happens that in the moment I meet somebody, I know exactly where they're going to go and like what my advice is going to be. And she was like, but days ago, we closed a round of funding with this incredible new startup who needs you to like really drive home their vision and you're going to love her. And I think this is perfect. And I was, I was a little bit like, whoa, early (laughs) stage. Like, I'm not so sure about that. Like that, I wasn't totally coming here for the seed round, you know, like I'm a big company girl, (laughs) Google, Condé, like now you're saying what? Seed round? (laughs) And, and, but of course, like I was in this, like, you know, very open moment where I was going to meet anybody and talk to everybody. And so she and then of course she also told me who Julie was and I was like well yeah obviously <laughs> and so I um she introduced me to Julie you know by email or whatever and Julie was going to be in New York and so we set up a time to meet and it was just like I so bought everything she was selling like it was just her vision for what we were building it what she wanted to build at the yes which was not called the yes yet we hadn't even the, the name wasn't even there and was so spot on with what I felt like was needed in the industry and her energy and her attitude and her just like everything about her was like 
I would be insane to not try to pursue this. But, and we also just like, you know, we really hit it off too. Like we hugged when we said goodbye. Like we, that's not like typical job interview behavior, <laughs> yeah. you know? But I knew, like I knew in that hug that whether I took the job or not, that like Julie was just like somebody to watch and somebody's, somebody's life, like somebody's orbit that I really wanted to be a part of. And yeah. It kind of, you know, and obvious, obviously it took off from there. So I, you know, met a few other people and I met the team and then I joined um, in the summer of 2018. So that was like April-ish of 2018. I joined that summer and we just like took off and running. We started building the product and the team and building on the brands. So the what the yes, actually RIP, what the yes was, was yeah. a um, AI-enabled shopping platform that allowed the customer to have a fully personalized store. So we used different signals, explicit signals to understand what brands she loved, what sizes she wore, what her overall style aesthetic was, so that each person who visited the Yes had an entirely different store that was based around her. So you and I would both go to the Yes, we'd open up the app or we'd go to the site. Our home feed would be completely personalized to things that we had expressed interest in, either by saying, I like this brand, or there or by yesing a product when we had been there before. And then same journey, like you and I could both do a search for a cozy sweater and we would see entirely different results because we shop differently, we have different tastes, etc. Um, and so that was the vision from the beginning. We started building it. We started, you know, the team, everything. When we, when we started, it was just me talking to brands. Our creative director would come with us, come with me sometimes or Julie would come with me sometimes. And we all we had in the beginning was because we didn't we hadn't built anything, but we had to show these brands something. So we yeah. had these prototypes that we made on our laptop. We were launching an app, but we had a prototype on a laptop. And I would walk around my laptop <laughs> and we pers- well, we personalized the prototype for every brand. So we would go in and be like, you know, we would go to Bottega and show them exactly what Bottega would look like in this experience that we were building. And Actually, before we had a working version of the app, so just with that prototype, we had about 60 brands who signed up. Wow. And somewhere around, yeah. And somewhere when I, around when I got to like 35, I was like, oh boy, now what? I have all these brands who have signed up and I actually have nothing to do with them, which was when I hired the one and only and very incredible Blair Boyajian who worked for me. And we joke around that she's like head of now what? Because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally exactly what she did. She was like, okay, like we need contracts signed and we need to keep them somewhere and we need, you know, we need an onboarding process and we need all of these things. And I was like, great. I'm so glad you're here. So executor continues the best. Yeah, exactly. She continues to be the head of now what? And I like literally am so thankful that the universe sent her to me when they did. So yeah, so we had about 60 brands before we even had a working version of the app. And then we had a working version of the app, which was still sort of like clunky and weird. And we had to figure out like, how do you show somebody an app? And, oh, by the way, these were the days of in-person meetings. So this was still pre, pre-March of 2020. Um, but how do you show people like an app in a meeting and all those different things? Um, <laughs> and, right. And we had, a, I mean, but it was honestly like building this thing was so fun. It was, we were really using brands feedback and customer feedback and our own feedback and building this sort of like ultimate shopping destination of what's the place that we always wanted to shop and 
And, you know, obviously we were objective enough to bring on a, a range of brands. So it wasn't like only brands that I would wear, but we definitely kind of got to build our own, our own store, which was, which was really fun and our own real version of like, if we could build like what a perfect shopping experience would be, this is what we would want it to be. And we were only in the early stages. Like there was so much left to do and there's so much more that we will do, you know, now that we're a part of Pinterest. But those days were pretty incredible. And then it brought us up to our launch, which ended up being May of 2020. So we were supposed to launch March 17th of 2020. I don't have to tell you what was going on then. Um, people can't remember. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, uh, So we then kind of held back our launch. We're able to do a few things. It actually ended up being like sort of lucky for us that we didn't launch then because we there were like some other things we wanted to add to it. We launched in May of 2020, which we felt like was a good... It was That was actually the time when we thought like, oh, COVID's ending... And people are going back to regular lives. It was like when the wave in New York was going down, we're like, everybody's going to go back to regular lives. They're all going to go back to the office in July. So let's prep everybody now by getting this thing out there. And so we launched the Yes. We had incredible, incredible press. We were so excited. It was really awesome. We were out there. We were doing it. When we launched, we had about 140 brands. And then a few, maybe a week later the George Floyd protests started happening. And so we had to rein it all back in, you know, kind of like we had to be quiet. And of course, there just was like not a moment in our country's history that was, you know, that we wanted, that we needed to be loud about, right? And so it was definitely an interesting time. And then of course, as you know, nobody did go back to work. And so we had to lean in hard on loungewear and leggings and (laughs) lots of slippers and other things like that. But it was like, you know, I felt like, I always felt like we were on this journey as a company together, but also with our brands. So it was a really hard time for the retail industry. And what we were building, we was meant to be something that was focused on mutual growth. Like we had built a product and we're still building the product that for the, um, for us to be successful, that our brand partners had to be successful. And so there was something like really, really special about that type of relationship. And we were really in the trenches with the brands as they were trying to figure out what was next for them and how they were going to come out of this. We were able to be right there with them and, and to you know help them kind of stay, stay afloat and build back and stay strong. And, and we really tried to make that a big part of our ethos even before it was a COVID thing. But you know that was always what we were interested in doing. Yeah, I remember exactly when you guys launched. Like you did get so much amazing press. I remember reading it and thinking that is such a good idea. And I loved the name. And congrats on your We had the, the name was a journey too. Yeah. I mean the name was it was that was was probably one of the more fun things I've ever done was worked on the naming of the company. Yeah, was there a so moment we, where you're like um, the yes well, so what's funny is, so we worked with this, we worked with Partners in Spade, who is now called Mythology, the um, partner that we worked with there. And they were, they were so good at what they did. It was like, Julie had um, a name that she was walking in with that most of us didn't necessarily want, but we were, it was her company and her vision. And I don't believe the agency really wanted her name either, but they took us through the exercise and they storyboarded all of it. And they showed us 
you know, her name and what that brand would look like and what we were, you know, what that would look like if we did that. And they showed us a few other ones and really sort of like helped us land on why the yes was the right one. And like in retrospect, after we all picked the yes, in retrospect, we realized that they had completely led the horse to water. Like it was 100% what they had wanted, but they did it in such a good way that like none of us felt forced on that name. We just like, you know, they just, they just led us there in a very gentle way. But it was, it was really fun to see the brand come to life. You know, and it was this, a lot of the, like some of the, um, the features of the yes came from the name. It wasn't that we had the features and then the name came next. Like we hadn't necessarily developed this notion of yes and no, but then that was part of the name. Like it was part of the brand that we developed where then you could yes and no products, you know, as a result of the fact that we were the yes. And we wanted something that was, that felt democratic, but felt special. We wanted something that was positive, that could be unisex, that eventually could be international, you know, so it sort of checked all of those boxes. And, you know, it's funny to realize that like something so simple as the word yes, wasn't, wasn't already a company. Like it wasn't necessarily out there. So yes. Yeah. When Woman Inc. was available for my podcast, I was like, I was getting it so quickly as if like everyone thought of that at the same yeah. time and they were all like yeah. trying to buy the domain in that moment. You're like, <laughs> quick, quick, where's quick. my credit card? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So partnerships, I think are not only so important, but just it takes someone who is very creative, very strategic. There's a lot at play in partnerships. What do you think is the perfect formula for a successful partnership? Mm. Well, I think probably that starts with that there is no perfect formula for a successful partnership. I think, and by the way, we're talking professionally, right? I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel ready to talk about yes. personal partnerships. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I'm, I don't think I'm qualified for that one. Yeah, um, tell us about your dating history. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. So I think like, you know, but I do think like anything else, it's about the individuals that are a part of the partnership. And by individuals, it's not just like, you know, not just the personalities of the people, but that is important. But also like, who are the the companies involved and what are they trying to achieve? And like I was sort of saying earlier, I, I did feel like we were in a really fortunate place to be really strong partners for the brands that we were working with because we were, we had established a model that was based on mutual growth. Like in order for one to be successful, the other had to be successful as well. And I think that's probably, you know, I think I can't give you a full formula, but I think that's the key ingredient is establishing a model of business that is about both sides being successful as a result of each other, which I don't think you always get in like, you know, in with the word partnership. I don't think that's always, I don't know that that's always there. Yeah, I think that's so true. And also a partnership where you're not like begging the other person to be in it. I feel like if both parties are not fully committed and excited, right? It, at least in my experience, yeah. it hasn't been. The yeah, best. no, absolutely. And is there a partnership yeah. that was your favorite to date? One that you enjoyed a little bit more than the others? Well, I mean, I guess if you partnership in general, I would say my partnership with Julie is the best business partnership I've ever had. So I, you know, like, like I said, sort of from the beginning, we really, I think, understood each other and knew how to work with each other, but also have such different strengths that we've able, yeah. we've really been able to partner together to do this. And then probably, you know, in terms of just in general brand partnerships, I would say two of our most sex, most successful partnerships were probably with Golden Goose 
and with La Double J. Um, ironically, both Italian brands, but they both really like, you know, they sort of, they recognize the potential of what we could do and they didn't anchor their relationship with us based on sort of where we were. So, you know, obviously when we started, we had no sales, we had nothing, but they, you know, I felt like both of those teams were really excited about where we could take it. And they always treated us like we were bigger partners than we necessarily were at the beginning. And to be honest, at the end, I think we were actually pretty big strategic partners for them in terms of driving sales for them. And that's because they were in it from the beginning. You know, it was just like we were always working together. And we, you know, one of the big things that we always did was we provided all of the brands with pretty robust inside re- insights reports so that they could understand their not just like sales performance, but who was their customer and how were they working, you know, how were they cross shopping them and all that stuff. And they gave us a lot of input on what they needed to see in those reports. And so I think like as a result of that, they were getting, they were giving us data, like what they needed to know, which helped us create more interesting reports for everybody. But then they were also like ready and willing to use that data. And I think it helped sort of grow their business in ways both with us and sort of, and, you know, beyond working with just the us. So I think like, you know, it's that concept of like a, this, it's give and take. And I think it's like, you know, where I've always thought of, I think I've always, remember I spent like a, the bulk of my career actually, you know, on the advertising side, but I always shuddered at the word vendor. Like I never felt like vendor was the right word for, even if I was selling ads, I realized like the English, the Webster definition of vendor <laughs> is that, okay. but I never felt like that was accurate. Like I, you know, I felt much more like it's this concept of partnership and this concept of like, you know, the ads that I'm going to suggest to you or the, you know, the partnership that you do with the yes is because you're getting something out of it too. Not just because like, this is like me putting more money in my company's pocket. Yeah. So I think think ultimately, yeah. So good. Okay. So you are busy. (laughs) You are a mom. You just joined the team at Pinterest with your acquisition and obviously heading brand partnerships at the Yes for the last few years. So what is something one, like, do you have non-negotiables in your day that keep you on track with all of the things that you want to do? And then two, how do you prioritize everything? I hate the word balance, but how do you just choose like, this is my priority right now? Do you have a system that works well for you? Oh, I don't know if I have a system. I definitely have some golden rules. I would say my kids are my first priority. You know, my, and even at the yes, where I was, when I was a team of one and I wasn't for, you know, like all of those things, like I, my kids only have one mom. And so that is, you know, I have a lot set up so that they don't necessarily need me for certain like logistical things, right? Like I can make sure that our nanny can take them places that their activities are covered and all of that. But if they need me, they need mom, like then they get mom. And that is, that is a certain golden rule, non-negotiable. And I've always made sure that the people that I work with know that. So my bosses, my direct reports, my peers, everybody, so that, you know, we're all on the same page when it comes to that. And I, you know, the truth is Julie's like that too. And so she, she's made that very easy. But I think it's also important for any woman, if that's her rule, to make that clear when you, you know, when you start out in a new role, I think it's really important. I don't, I don't think most people will argue with it, but I think it's important to sort of like set out there. I also do 
run in the park every morning. So I live near Central Park. And I sort of, if I don't, I my day doesn't get started very well. So I would say that's like my daily non-negotiable. And then my weekly non-negotiable is my girlfriends. So like they keep me so... They are, I need them. Like, I need to make sure that I have a night with them, that I get time with them, you know, that it's like something, even if it ends up being just a FaceTime chat. Normally it's not. Normally we do make time to actually see each other in person. But those are, I just, I feel like making, we all only have 24 hours in a day and we all have a whole lot to do. But it's like, it's making time for the important things that I think makes me better at all the other stuff. Yes. And I think that's so important, like communicating your needs. I think. A lot of women are afraid to have that conversation of like, my kids come first. But I think it's generally well received when you have boundaries. I agree. And by the way, I said it about women, but I actually think men should do it too. Like, I think that if there are things that are non-negotiable, I think it's really important that we set that up. And I feel like people have become really empowered to say things like, I need work flexibility and the ability to work from home and all of that. But I do think the people that you work with need to understand where your priorities are so that they know when they can push you because people need, like everyone needs time. They need to get into things in your calendar. They need you for something. But if they know ahead of time, like where they can push and where they can ask for more and where it's just like uh, not going to happen, I think it's really important. And by the way, I do believe if men will do that more, then it will make it easier for everyone. And there's no reason why men shouldn't be saying that their kids are number one as well. Completely agree. Yes. So one, I know we mentioned Forerunner Ventures, Kirsten Green, but what is something that you learned working with them on the executive level uh, that helped you grow in your career? I really like that question because I love that whole team. Kirsten was our, um, you know, she was our investor. And so she sat on our board and she was a really key part of our organization, like not just in board meetings, but she was she was always a really eager tester. She always gave us great feedback. But I would say the number one thing that I learned from Kirsten was our board, surprisingly, was actually um, Kirsten and then two men and then Julie and our technical co-founder Amit. So um, there were more men than women on our board. And I, I always watched Kirsten in the meetings because I knew she had an opinion. I knew it was generally grounded in fact and research and data and all of that stuff. But she was really good about waiting for her moment always. Like she always sort of, she was a very good listener, but she, it was so, it was really powerful the way she did that. Like she would wait. She waited for the moment. She would listen to what everybody had to say. And then she would come in with her opinion, her statement of the facts. And it, it really worked for her. And it was a real, like a real lesson in presence and how to have an executive presence in those types of meetings. That's so good. I love that. She is good. You really do have to meet her. I know. I really do. I'm going to manifest it if you're listening. (laughs) Let's get coffee. (laughs) Okay. So this has been so fun. I feel like this is going to help so many people, the world of partnerships, especially at all of the amazing places you've worked at, I think will be really inspiring to people. But my last question is, what are you... Well, actually, second to last. What are you first most excited <laughs> about joining the Pinterest team with your recent acquisition? And then as a last question, what would be your number one piece of advice for a woman who is wanting to take her career to the highest level? Okay. I'll start with Pinterest. So I am a longtime Pinterest user and have always wanted the ability to 
be able to buy the things that I'm pinning and loving on Pinterest. And so I'm most excited to be able to make that more of a reality. So more to come on what we're able to do and what that's going to look like. But I think Pinterest is an incredible platform with you know, innate capabilities that people really love. The people who use Pinterest really love it. And I think you know what we get to do is just make it even better, right? We all get to work together to keep improving on that and really making shopping a reality on Pinterest. In terms of advice, I would say always say yes to the meeting. I think I attribute almost all of my success to the people that I've met along the way. So whether it's you know clients or bosses or peers or direct reports or just sort of random industry connections or even non-connections, I feel like just the people that I've met are the ones who have helped me learn and grow and direct me to kind of to the next step and the next level. And you never know who those people are going to be. And then it's always a chance to pay it forward as well. You know, like, so if the meeting doesn't turn out to be something that helps you do something, like maybe it helps the person you met with. And I think even that is sort of just like good karma to to put in the bank for the next time that you're going to need something as well. Yes, I love that advice. I resonate completely with that. Lisa, thank you so much. This has been so lovely and it was so nice to meet you. Thanks, Jenna. It was really nice to meet you too. And let me know if you want that intro. I'm happy to make it. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> okay, I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.